three of the Telly Award-winning podcast, stumbling through the darkness, lost and alone, throwing money off the back of the train, and absolutely, positively taking the long way home. I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo Award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant, Bandrex, Suicide Jockeys, and now Fashang Origins, the other voice in the dark, the man in the box of the left is... David Avalone, uh, film and TV writer, comic book writer, and uh, in light of current events, hopelessly devoted to you. There you go. If you missed any of our previous conversations, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fractions, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Rodney Barnes, and many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, iTunes, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. So double on back and check it all out. A uh, great show for you today as I uh, come off vacation. I was uh, telling you guys in the green room that um, I uh, I stepped off a plane from the East Coast late last night, pretty close to 10 o'clock, and then had to drive home and all that stuff. So I am uh, I am uh, lost in the clouds a little bit uh, today, so hopefully I'm coherent and, uh, and and good. But before we get into the show, do you have something to plug, Avalone? It seems I like do. You were, seems I like do. you were reading a, you were reading Wednesday, a good Wednesday, uh, Elvira in Horrorland, the... Third alien issue, nice. uh, not to be confused with the psycho issue and the uh, shining issue, hits the stands. That is today, right now. Run to your no, don't run. Walk, walk gently to your uh, local comic shop and ask for it by name. And uh, that's the main thing I have to plug right now. I, I will say for residents of New England and adjacent, I'll be at Granite State Comic Con. Ooh, wow. uh, on September 18th and 19th, I think that is. Yeah. Rylan, what you got? Um, you know, shaking and baking and uh, uh, lost in a lot of film and TV work, uh, uh, fortunately and unfortunately. Um, go to your comic shop and pick up Aberrant and Banjax and uh, Suicide Jockeys. And if you go to immortal-studios.com, uh, you can go and get uh, Fashion Origins if you missed that Kickstarter um you know dynamite comics just picked that shit up so it'll be in a comic shop soon so uh look out for that otherwise you know still wheeling and dealing in a hurry to get things done but uh why don't why don't, why don't we bring our uh our, our our newly very rich uh, uh guest in <laughs> patch and hey guys what's going on? there we go man hello, welcome hello. pat tell the kids at home a little bit about yourself I am Pat Shan. I am a writer. Might know me from Destiny, New York. Um, cheeky and making racks on racks on Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> making it rain. Yeah. I can smoke and fools, lighting up chumps. Love it. To get right to that point, that's currently running. No, you know it. Um, I did just um uh about a week and a half ago. Okay. I do have um an Indiegogo in demand pop up shop, you know, but that's been um. Mostly just for people who missed the initial Kickstarter to still have an option to get my, uh, you know, stuff. Yeah, and the the link for that will be in the show notes if yeah. uh, if if you're incapable of doing a Google search or going to uh, to Pat's page and and <laughs> and, and, and linking to it. Um, I, I I I always love that. I love the um, you know you run like a 30 day Kickstarter right, and then it ends, and then a day two days later you have about 15 people who are like, hey dude, uh, when does that Kickstarter yeah. end? Because I you know I I meant to back that and. Uh, yeah. It's better than the people that say, "Hey, dude, when does that Kickstarter begin?" Oh yeah, because no, those sure. people yeah. also aren't you. Uh, you're doing a Kickstarter sometime soon, aren't you? Yes. If by sometime soon you mean a month and a half ago, 
That is the that is absolutely a fact. Well, I mean, yeah. it, 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 is is that is the vague recollection worse than you know your your best friend who's like oh wait you're you did a Kickstarter you know like like you've been shouting from well, the, the rooftops for for a as, month. as I as I used to say when I did live events you're only a success when you look in the audience and don't recognize anyone in the audience yeah 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 if you're, yeah, that's if you're counting on your best friend for Kickstarter you are in trouble with capital T rhymes with P stands for comics it's so, not it's so true I, I was just on a uh, Twitter space talking about this about how you know, early on, you're going to see, you're going to have that cushion of family and friends supporting you because they, they think it's like a one-off thing. But then yeah. when you do it multiple times, yeah, you're gone. Yeah. If you don't see that percentage become less and less family and more and more people who don't yeah. love you, you know, then yeah. that's a major yeah. problem. Yeah. No, I had maybe between my two Kickstarters with Eastman, the drop off in people I knew was maybe 80 to 90%. Oh, yeah. And I think, and partially, I mean, like you, my first Kickstarter comics Kickstarter was one hundred and six thousand dollars, and I think people were like, "He's fine." <laughs> yeah, no, that's what happens. You know, people um, people will pledge to you as a means of support to you, and they mm -hmm. they could be someone who's not even into comics at all. And yeah, that, um, oh yeah, that's definitely fallen off for me for sure. You know, I, I had family friends really going hard. On, on the first one, second one, they were like, "Oh, oh, he's doing it again, really soon." Okay, okay, and then, oh, oh he he keeps doing this. So let's <laughs> yeah. not, oh know. wait, it's almost like this is a career or something. Yeah, it's uh. like he's not going to stop. And so, as, as far as that thing where people support you without caring about it, a friend of mine accidentally divulged to me just last week. This is a friend. She donated a thousand dollars to my first comics Kickstarter. She mentioned in passing she had never uh, opened it. Oh my god! I mean that, that so generous, you know. Introduce us. She like it's in it's in my office, and uh, clients come in and remark on it, and I say, "Yeah, my yeah. friend wrote that, and I'm a character in it." And she's like, "I never actually have looked at it." <laughs> I mean, very very generous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you know. She's like, oh, yeah, I should give this a read now. Yes, 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 you should. So getting back into it, you will notice, yeah. uh, if you're watching the video, you, you'll notice that a headset is teleported onto uh, to Pat, uh, <laughs> six figure Shans uh, uh, ahead. Uh, we just had a, a quick audio uh, uh, fit. So a um, little hiccup, little, oh, no, <laughs> we've lost the background. Yeah, it was starting to look weird with the headset. You with know. the headset, all right. Yeah. But I was I was enjoying the background, so so uh, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, this is great radio, by the way. You know, uh, uh, money. yeah, ninety percent of our audience is on uh, is on Apple Pods. But um, um, anyway, uh, so enough spinning our wheels. But but I guess before we get into the Kickstarter of it all, like, but you know, before we we had to stop there for a second, we we started to really kind of go down Kickstarter road. But I thought it was interesting to talk about this phenomenon. I mean, most of our audience is creators or would be creators. Um, or people who appreciate creators, and there is this phenomenon in the creator world. I mean, we're we're a it's a very small world, right? I mean, we we all know each other one way or another, but there are these people who elude you one way or another. Yeah. Um, and and Pat and I have I, 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 Avalone, Do you and Pat know each other at all? No. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's almost it's almost more ridiculous that you guys don't know each other and that and that you weren't terribly familiar with one another. Um, but I, I feel like I've known Pat for about six years, and and it's like you know from the moment I started writing comics. Um, all of my close friends were like, oh, you got to meet Pat. <laughs> Pat's a great guy. Um, you know, and then when we started the show, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're now, I think this is episode 77 or 78 or something like that. And every guest that comes on is like, oh, well, you should have Pat on at some point. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's funny. And then, you know, I hop on. Uh, and so I, I'd meant for the longest time just to reach out. But, you know, you get busy and this pops up and that pops up. And then, you know, I check you out on, on Facebook and you're one of these people where I think we had 120 plus uh, friends in common. And, and, and we had probably been at cons together, I don't know, at least a dozen times. And we had never just crossed paths. Has to be, yeah. Yeah, and there is this phenomenon in the creator, you know, universe where where this happens, and um, and it was this sort of chance meeting where we are on the floor at San Diego Comic Con, which is the the biggest, baddest con in the world. There are like fifty to seventy thousand people, uh, uh, you know, on the grounds there, and you and I, oh, hundred thousand, I think. Well, I mean, depending well, on the year, but yeah. Well, well I, I'm saying this year. Were there a hundred thousand yeah. people this year? I don't know that there were. Still but, um, so much this year, dude. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's the max was a hundred and thirty, but I would say this year that was it, it, maybe eighty. Yeah, it felt yeah. like seventy or eighty to me, yeah, but, um, but yeah. But Pat and I happened to stop at Charlie Stickney's table, mutual friend, friend oh, of the, the show, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, and it's like, oh, it's you. <laughs> I've been meaning to meet you for six years, um, and, and I think that's so interesting. And then it's like, I mean, you know, I mean, Avalonia and I have all the same friends, but but you, you two don't know each other at all. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I haven't run across each other. Yeah, it, but it it definitely happens. And yet at the same time, like I literally showed up outside of the convention center, and almost the first person I saw was David Boer. Like literally just walked up and he walked right up <laughs> past me and I went, Oh, Hey. Yeah. And a lot of times it's John Lehman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Person I will ever see at any given con. Well, 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 well my, my two stories similar to that. The first is uh, our show uh, last week with Ray Chow came about because um, I, you know, I, I hadn't, I, I mean, I, I, I know Ray. Um, we hadn't seen each other since before the pandemic and I was sitting outside uh, um the the convention center as things were rolling out and you know just just everybody's rolling out pouring out and i'm just kind of sitting out I, I had about an hour to kill before the immortal studios dinner and um and suddenly i hear like hey rylan <laughs> and i look and like 200 300 yards down that way is is ray he's hard to miss he's very tall <laughs> um you know and he's like yo <laughs> and so ray and i had a five minute conversation just you know, happenstance. Uh, yeah. First time I had seen him in three years, and then he was on the show uh, uh, the next week. So, so that's funny. But the John Lehman of it all is really funny because we talked about this a little bit. I don't know if we talked about last show or the show before, but like, um, you, you, you go to these things, right? And and particularly this one because we hadn't all been together for like three years, right? And and that's crazy. I mean, we're used to seeing each other. We're used to catching up. The whole reason we did this was to stay in touch with these people. But John, like, I know John, you know, and I and I know John like fairly well, and we communicate on on social media uh, plenty and and whatnot. And um, and in fact, I had just taken this trip to Greece. John had been commenting on the photos, and he's like, "I'm excited to see you at the con and talk to you about Greece." And I'm like, "I can't wait to talk to you about it, man." John and I were in the same room five times. And, and 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 sometimes it's like I'm talking to three people here, and I can see John five feet over there, yeah. and I'm like, eh, you know, getting, and he's talking to someone else, and John and I never said a single word together. At <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens. It's uh, it's sensory overload. You know, it's you're yeah. in a room with people who are in your community, who you're, I mean, sometimes talking to constantly online, and then in yeah. person, it just sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. How was your con? How did it? Uh, how did you find it? It was good. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I heard they stopped selling tickets e like a year before or something. So that, that probably limited how many, how many people came. It's uh, It definitely was slower than most San Diego's. You know, it, uh, 
I'll, I'll I'll be happier with it when it gets back to normal. But I was happy to be there in general. You know, I um I did a very quick just two day appearance. I uh oh okay yeah and you weren't were you tabling or anything like that? No table, no. I yeah. um I have this new book out from Scout as of the Barbed, and uh, they we're doing a metal cover for the show and I've never had one before for my stuff. So I last minute was like, oh, I have to do it. So I went out there, signed at a uh, scout black mask and Zenoscope, just uh, three little brief appearances. I wasn't going to do a panel too, but um, uh, it, it was me and three other guys. And uh, one guy got COVID. One guy decided he's too scared of COVID and one guy had an eye issue. And it, <laughs> so I was like, all right, no panel for me, but um, yeah, no, overall it was good. I, uh, I, I love the area. You used to live there myself and I will take any chance that I can to go there, you know, and, and get down on some California burritos, some ca- carne asada action, you know, there you go. Yeah. It's a, it's a good place to eat these days. It's uh it's underrated. Oh, I mean, it's the best, you know, I, I grew up long Island, you know, and the New York area in general, great for Italian uh, bagels and Chinese food. But the Mexican food situation here is Ugh. a nightmare. So, yeah. out in San Diego, I, I for two days. Well, well sure, it is just living the dream, you know. <laughs> it was the, one of the first times I went back to New York City. I'm from Jersey originally, but spent a lot of time in New York City when I was a kid and in my yeah. teens, my early twenties. I remember one of the first times I went back. I was hanging out with a friend of mine. They're like, "Oh, there's this great new Mexican place," and I said, "I live in Los Angeles. I am not." Yep. Go- you can take me to pizza. You can take me to Chinese food. I'm in New York City. You take me to Mexican food. I will go somewhere. Else. Dude, always, not- always. Yeah, pe- pe- people will. You know, when they hear that I don't really eat Mexican food out here, they go, "Oh, I gotta try this place." <sighs> the place is always bad, though. You yeah. know, yeah. There's it's like buying have- lobster in Montana. Like, just don't, <laughs> man. You're nowhere near the fresh water. Don't do it. Like, yeah. you're not. You're not. It's not safe. <laughs> Once you have the best of the best, you can't really compete. Yeah, I, I do like. Um, Los Tacos Numero Uno in New York. That is a small exception just because their menu is so specific. They they don't have much to get wrong, you know. But man, as as a, a big fan of Mexican food, just the the escape there for the three days made it worth it. There could have been two people at the show, and I would have been very happy still. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's definitely a good part of it. The tricky yeah. part for me is always getting away from the con long enough to find a table at a place that is worth eating at. Um, Especially my wife was talking about, we have gotten out of, we used to be pretty good about during the day, making sure our bag had, you know, good snacks. (laughs) So it wasn't like, Oh yeah. Some protein bar action. Yeah. I guess it's time for another Auntie Anne's. (laughs) (laughs) That is not good for you. Like having, having protein bars and fresh vegetables and, you know, cashews, you know, something better than like, yeah, guess it's time for another con dog, you know, cause yeah. I, uh, and that game is hard too, you know, especially when I am paying to booth and they're selling these, uh, these $15 cheeseburgers that are between two bricks of this hard ass bread, you know, and yeah. it just, it feels like such a, such a waste. But um, well, and it also didn't help that uh, so much of the surrounding the con, did not have their shit together. Yeah, oh, like, usually I can oh, get yeah. relatively good food in the Odyssey <laughs> bar at the Hilton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went there once and they're like, oh, the kitchen opens at four. Did I say four? 5.30. Did I say 5.30? I might be able to get you a, a, a rainbow roll by seven. Like, oh, nightmare. Nightmare. Don't I, uh, do that to me, man. 
Yeah. I was very lucky. My mother-in-law lives out there, so I stayed at her place. I, I, I had the whole place to myself, so every morning I, I would Uber Eats enough food for the whole day and then just hit the con. So I, 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 I was lucky in that perspective, for sure. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I never get away. I always go there with a, a list of restaurants I want to hit, yeah. things I want to do outside the con. Never touch it. I mean, there was a there was a, a, a Richard Blaze run uh, sandwich shop called uh, Crack Shack that okay. we, we used to have in Pasadena, and it was a, a one of the more devastating casualties of the pandemic. It yeah. closed up here. Real estate was too much. So, but there was one in San Diego, um, and it's not too far away from the uh, the the con. Actually, it's in Little Italy. It's just you know sort of uh, you know up the map a little bit. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, for, for two weeks, I talked about how I can't wait to get back to this place and get in there and grab a sandwich and, and um, never happened. Never the restaurants happened. in Little Italy are excellent. Yeah. Like that's one of the best places to eat in San Diego. It's a little bit of a hike from the con floor. There yeah. used to be, I'm just trying to remember the name of it. The seafood restaurant behind the con used to be my favorite because it was behind the con because you could eat at it. Without crossing Front Street, you're talking about Joe's or Joe Joe's Joe, Joe's Crab Shack, yeah, yeah, where the people the people come out and sing to you on your birthday. And then <laughs> the the last time I went there, which was now like four or five years ago, yeah, it was it was a massive entree of salt with a side of seafood. Oh uh, uh, no, 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 no! It was good. like wow, I can't eat another bite of this steak because I will <laughs> go into cardiac arrest from the salt. And that was just the sad. I was like, did you allow the ocean to? Uh, roll over this food before you gave it to me because holy <laughs> so shit, good. that was the saltiest crap I've ever had in my life. Right but that broke right. my heart because I used to love like sneaking back there, sitting at the bar, having a shrimp cocktail and coming back to the con floor and it was like not the same, you know, D&D campaign as yeah. going to get a, a going to get lunch during the con, which is can be a, a friggin' nightmare. I'm, a, I'm interested in this little Italy thing, you know? I don't... um. I don't think I've been out there in, in San Diego. I uh, Where we ate one night, I, I had a Zenoscope dinner that I went to at uh, Buca de Beppa, mm -hmm. but I don't know if that's... Yeah, that's not... It's about a mile and a half due north of like the Hyatt. Um, and it's, uh, it's a, it's an authentic little Italy neighborhood. Like oh, every, yeah. every yeah. five feet is a coffee, a ca cappuccino place or a gelato place. And then they're also, oh, nice. yeah, well, well yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Great Italian food, but also other food. I mean, uh, you yeah. know, uh, Juniper and Ivy is there and it's, uh, you know, it's new American, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it might be, you know, it's one of the five best restaurants in San Diego probably. And oh, there, okay. there are probably a sprinkling of others there too, but, um, love San Diego, dude. Love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I should have booked more days. You know, I um, I waited too long. You know, I yeah. booked my flight in May, and it was insanely expensive. And I just picked yeah. the cheapest day out, which was Sunday. I should have stayed for fucking three weeks. You know, I mean, so good, so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I. I usually try to do the whole five days, uh, yeah. including preview night, because Wednesday and Thursday are kind of the best <laughs> you know it's it's kind of the the quiet where it really is only the pros there yeah um, yeah i mean there are you know there's twenty thousand fans but that's a lot better than eighty thousand fans yeah. um so it's it's nice to do the whole thing next time but i've always tried to do a shorter i haven't still i always need to get back to town but i've always wanted to just like stay a couple more days down there yeah. you know 
take a boat out, you know, do something, do have a little, have a little cool down afterwards. Uh, go, like, uh, go over to Coronado yeah. or something like that. Yeah. 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 I used to like on Sunday night, instead of driving home, I would go over to Coronado. Yeah. There's, there's a nice little diner in Coronado and I would literally just eat at this, you know, diner in Coronado, have a sandwich at, you know, nine o'clock at night and then, yeah. Try driving back to Los Angeles instead of being caught in the mania yeah. Yeah. of, you know, the 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 exodus from Egypt. Oh yeah, hey, you're in LA, so you're close to San Diego, huh? Yeah, no, it's yeah. a I mean, on a good day, it's two and a half hours. On a terrible day, I it has taken me four and a half hours to get there. Yeah, I mean that's why I always train down. I mean, the train is just yeah. it's so relaxing. Um train's great. You know, yeah, it, it, and the train takes, you know, for the most part, it takes the same amount of time every time yeah. you don't get caught in that. I, I've had six hour drives back from San Diego. Ooh, um yeah, yeah, tough. And um, and so and you know, and and you're you're not working, you're not dodging cars, you're not uh you're just yeah. gonna laying back and going over emails or reading a book or, you know, but yeah, my plan next time is to at least stay through Monday morning and then, you know, wake up, check out and drive back to LA at 11 AM on Monday when when it's just not a, not a thing. But but yeah. All right. What's the next con you have lined up? Do you have anything? Yeah, I I have two this month. Kind of. Um, I am doing uh, long Island Tropicon. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same weekend, FlameCon is happening. So um, I'm going to booth at Tropicon with my own booth and my company, Space Between Entertainment's booth. Well, So we'll have a double booth there. And then my editor, Shannon, will have a Space Between booth at FlameCon the same weekend. It's the first time that my company is going to have a, a, a con that I don't do. So um, wow. Where is FlameCon? That is in New York City. Oh, okay. So yeah. they're both New York. It's... So a friend of mine was amazed when uh, I I wanted to visit a friend in Rochester, New York. And I was like, I should find out what the con is there and if they will invite me as a guest. And she's like, there's no Comic-Con in Rochester, New York. I said, honey, there's a Comic-Con in literally every town with a population over 20,000 is going to have a Comic-Con at some point. And uh, there was, and uh, ironically, Rochester Con was the weekend she's out of town. So I won't be going Uh, to Rochester. But I looked at it, I was like, this is precisely the kind of con where I will email them and they will invite me. Like the, yeah. the, it's the, it was the right size. It was the right, like concentration on horror comics. I'm like, they're going to have the Elvira writer. I bet if I ask real nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I need to get, I have been bad at that. I only discovered just yesterday that dragon con. And I love when cons do this actually has a button on their website. That's tell us why we should invite you as a guest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Because waiting to be asked to dance uh, is is wearing me out. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can't, you can't, you definitely can't wait. And even yeah. um, you know, I've had conversations with uh, conventions where, you know, not every convention is going to be nice if you ask. So some are definitely sure. rude because they see it as, you know, they shouldn't reach out. But but the fact of the matter is that most conventions won't reach out. So it they has don't. to. The, yeah. the onus is on us for sure to. You know, pick the cons that we hope will take us out, and just hope that, that they'll be nice. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a. Did you consider ECCC at all? I've actually never been. Um, that yeah. is one of the few uh, big ones I've, I've never been. Uh, that and C two E two are the ones that I should eventually do at some mm-hmm. point. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. You know, uh, the ne- next big one for me is probably Baltimore. I'm gonna do. Um, mm-hmm. and New York, I'll be at. I don't 
think I'll booth, but mm-hmm. if they offer it again, they, they, they offered last minute last year. If they do that, I, I probably will, but I'll at least be signing at the same publishers, you know, Scout, Black mm-hmm. Mask, and Zenoscope. Yeah. New York, New York is definitely one where the last time I went, I said, guest or nothing on this one. This is too much of a, it's, it's rough. It, it is for me what San Diego is for you. It's so much travel. It's so expensive. Yeah. It's an expensive hotel. Yes. Uh, and I used to use it honestly to tax right off a trip to New York City. I'm like, but I oh, can, yeah. take, but I can take a trip to New York City and not have it be a weekend long hassle. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I can yeah. hang out and see friends and not deal with the Javits Center, which was a public health violation before COVID. Like <laughs> yeah. it's always been a place where they stacked the bodies even before there was a plague. So yeah, it's rough, dude. You know. uh, New York Comic Con, I've had my I've had my moments, mm-hmm. all my con moments where I'm like, why do I even do this shit? Have, right. have, have, have yeah. I been New York? You know, I um yep. the, the, there was my probably my lowest moment in Comic Cons was when <laughs> I um I went so hard on this pitch packet that I made that had just so many titles, so many cover ideas, a lot of great art, and I brought it. And my intention was to show the publishers that I was targeting and just have a you know quick meetings. And um, I went to Black Mask. Uh, I, I hadn't been working with them at that point. And I already had a rapport with Matt Pizzolo, who runs Black Mask. and said, hey, man, do, do you have like uh, five minutes? And he goes, well, I'm, I'm on the way to a panel, but I have two minutes. I was like, oh, okay. So I, I started pitching to him and I'm showing him these covers. And then a guy, a drunk guy, barrels into us and throws up right next to us and then he passes <laughs> out. And Matt is a good guy. So he goes, let's help this guy. And I'm thinking like, fuck, fuck that guy. Dude. You know, like yeah. he, he chose this. He chose yeah. this. I got yeah. 45 seconds left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, um, I cracked into action too. Got got a security guard to come for it and help this poor idiot. You know, um, he was fine. And then Matt was gone. And I walked away like, what why did i why did i come here you know uh but the end of that story is that about a year later on twitter matt dm me and he was like hey pat do you have anything and i sent him 20 ideas and he (laughs) picked three so it was it went from my hardest ever pitch to something that was in the end just so easy and it definitely made me think just to chill about pitches you know just to be a lot more zen about it 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 is it it is so hard to fit them in during a con week i mean i i i think that we creators we often look at it as like okay here is you know here's the opportunity you know i'm coming i i I, you know i my guns are loaded they're in the holsters i'm ready to fire i'm ready to draw on anybody and like it is so I mean, these the, the editors, particularly a guy like Matt, who's running an entire company, right? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I mean, they're so busy. Everybody wants a piece of their time, and and you know, we go over this a lot when uh, I mean, Avaloni has 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 crewed this any number of times, but we do the um, uh, the you know how to get your first book published comic uh, uh, panel at, at cons all the time, yeah. And um and 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 we stress we 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 preach against this, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like again. The, these guys have a minute of time and really yep, the, best, really, the best, really the best thing you could do is, is, is look them in the eye and say, Hey, I'm so-and-so um, you know, I've, I've, I've been up to, you know, here's a little of what I've been up to. I would really love to get an idea in front of you when you're not swamped. So yeah. And I, I'll, I'll drop, you an, email email I'll drop you an email on Tuesday. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you know. or two or two weeks from now after you yeah. crash landed, exactly. And uh, yeah. ironically, the guy who puked next to you is currently writing Daredevil. So you know, <laughs> oh, he probably is. Yeah, yeah. There's also <laughs> you know there's all sorts of different approaches you can take. You know, yeah, yeah. puking okay, on that yeah. shoes. That's just one yeah. more way to go. You know, Matman. You know, Matman is David Pepos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I almost said Savage Avengers, but I decided. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, de I decided to not bag on on our friend David, who we love. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, it's true. You know, I am. Um, I think that there's this frustration that once you know, once you're out of the physical presence of the publisher, there yeah. they have a lot. You know, they're more willing to ignore you. I think is the perception mm -hmm. because that's true. You know, there's. Yeah. I'm sure that every writer and and some artists too ha have had. The experience where they have a great meeting they get the card they're like oh this guy likes me they're into my stuff and, and then you email them and you never hear yeah. back you great know so yeah. so so the um the drive is to oh i'll see them and i'll remind them why they like me and show them this idea and they'll pick it up right there yeah it's probably not gonna happen though dude you know yeah. yeah yeah i i i mean i think your i think your story is pretty common too where it is a we think of these things as sprints yeah, you know, look, I got to oh, go yeah. and I, I got to close a deal, you know, here this weekend or or this week or whatever. And it really ends up being a marathon. And, yeah. it, you know, it is about making a good impression over time. Right. And yes. and whatever it is, you know, uh, a, a year later, two years later, uh, you know, something clicks. You know, you're 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 in the back of their mind all the time. And a lot of times they're they're looking for the right fit, you know, um, yeah. uh, with this with this Fashing Origins thing that, you know, I'm I'm in the middle of writing now. Um, you know, Peter Shaw, the, uh, the CEO over, over at Immortal, um, you know, he and I, we knew each other pretty well for two and a half years, you know, and, and, and it was clear that he liked me and, you know, we would, we'd have lunch and we'd have these amazing philosophical discussions, not talking about work or, or hiring or anything at all, you know, just talking about life and philosophy and the whole nine yards. And he would say from time to time, like, you know, look, like I, you know, we'll, we'll do something together. I'm just looking for the right thing. And it's like you're saying, Pat, like you hear that so often, you know, <laughs> you hear oh, this, no, it's oh, true. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do something down the line. And, you know, it was, it was two and a half years in, uh, uh, Peter, Peter called me and he's like, look, I, I, you know, I've been saying this, like I, I wasn't bullshitting you. I think I have the right thing. And, and, and the funny thing about it was, well, I was, I was swamped at that point, you know, like I, I, you know, I have, I, I have this TV show going and these movies going and I'm trying to finish up this comic thing. And so I, you know, in a five-year-old and I, I have zero bandwidth, and so I'm like, I really hope this isn't the right thing. And then he sends it to me and it's exactly the right thing. And I'm like, right. fuck, now, now I have to, now I have to figure out how to clear like a little corner of my life for this thing and try and do it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, and, but that's the thing it in the best of all possible worlds, it really usually is. It's a simmer. And, you know, I, when I, what Ryland was alluding to, I sometimes, you know, do a panel or teach a panel on, um, uh, on networking. And I always say people get it exactly wrong. It's not coming to someone with dollar signs in your eyes. It's making a new friend. Yeah. And if you make the new friend and they decide they want to work with you, that's great. It may not be tomorrow. It may be tomorrow, you know, but uh, they may not have anything for you to work on right now. The right thing may that's not true. come along and you just, you just never know. You know, and, and the, the least successful I've been at getting something set up has been ironically editors uh, soliciting me for a pitch at cons. Yeah. <laughs> like that yeah. has not worked out for me. 
being friends with editors and then we emailing them a week later and saying, Hey, you know, we chatted for a bit at the bar at the Odyssey. Let me run something past you. That has been successful. But them saying, call me, I have, you know, I'm interested in what you do. Like that weirdly has never worked out. Yeah. And I think that can be kind of disheartening for some people too, is like a lot of people don't want to go to the bar and a lot of people don't want to <laughs> make new friends, you know, I yeah. mean, uh, I, it sucks, you know, it's hard to, um, because part of it is that you want to make a genuine connection without ulterior motives at the same time we have those you know we yeah. we want to meet the editors because we want them to pick us up for work you know so it's it's hard to make a genuine connection that doesn't feel like you're being needy you know and um yeah. i mean there there are editors who who i've met who i'm like oh well i don't like them but <laughs> but i want yeah, no, but i you know, you know i, I do love the gig in the long run and you know some of this is 30 year you know 35 years in hollywood it's like in the long run i have discovered that it is not worth it for me to work with people that i don't like be they producers editors ceos of company you know whatever yeah that has you know every single time i go you know against my gut feeling about this person i'm going to sign this contract and do this gig nine times out of ten yeah. You know, the, one of the last editing jobs I had, Ryland's heard me make this joke before, but I, when I was retiring from film editing and going into comics first time, someone asked me, like, you're my old friend, edit this one last movie for me. And my wife was like, you're a bank robber and this is that one last, last job. job before you go straight and comic books is going straight for you. Are you sure you want to do the one last job? Because you've seen a lot of movies. Yeah. And I was like, yes, the possibility exists that I end up bleeding out on a bank floor in Mexico, but we're going to give this a shot. And I totally ended up bleeding out on a bank floor oh, in Mexico. Sorry, like, that's man. exactly how it went. Okay. Uh, that was a literal, I have to hold on to these hard drives to get you to pay me uh, kind of a gig. So, yeah. you know, it's there. And I get it. Like, it's easy. I'm an extrovert. I It is very easy for me to say, make new friends. And that's the secret to success. Yeah, that's. I know that's not for everybody, and that's that, yeah. that is a very hard part of it. It's such a twisted. I mean, it is such a weird place to be in, being an editor, and and some people handle it well, and some people don't. I mean, it's like you know, if you're you know you're an editor at AfterShock or whatever, you know, you're an, you're an editor at a big company, and you walk into one of those con bars, like you know. Everybody oh, yeah. there, you know, you're the prettiest girl at the party, and everybody there, yep. you know, wants <laughs> wants wants to dance with you, and everybody, you know, I mean, everybody wants something from you, you know, and it, 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 and so it is it is a weird psychological mindfuck if you're in that position where it's like, okay, well, is this person actually, you know, a decent person, or or, or do they just want something well, from I'm you, or, you know, and, and and then some people are the other way where it's like, okay, well, I have some power. And so now I'm going to be the biggest fucking dick, you know, uh, the universe. Yeah, that, that happens too, you know, it's, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, what, what you said about the editor, you know, people don't realize probably how annoying it is to be that person. Yeah, yeah, big oh, time. totally. I mean, a, a piece of advice that I've given to many creators who, who have messaged me for advice is that <laughs> is flat out learn when someone looks annoyed at you yeah. and like, oh, I know to not annoy it someone yeah and i'm just thinking bitch you're annoying me right now you know right <laughs> people don't really realize how they're being in cons and that is you know i think that 
comics as a medium just because of you know how nerd culture was growing up there are a lot of introverts who are comics creators who sometimes don't have a sense of when they are being either annoying or even horrible to someone you know i've had people come up to me wanting something from me wanting to have me review their stuff help them out and throughout the conversation they just become awful and i'm like oh they they don't even know though you know they they don't know how, how they're being and it sucks for them but they're probably not gonna i mean they're probably gonna do this to someone who can help them a lot more than me so. Yeah. No. And, and the thing that I always try, and it, it is that, that dichotomy of, I need something for you and I have to pretend I, I don't, to me, it's the, the Zen practice, not to step on Ryland's uh, uh, religious uh, or spiritual practice, but it really is a fucking let go of it. Yeah. Yeah. You're meeting a new person, meet them as you would any other person, discuss the topics you would with any other person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's what's, you know, I've said this a million times, but, you know, I, I, I have this book that I co-created with Kevin Eastman. It probably helped that the idea that I would ever collaborate with Kevin Eastman was the farthest fucking thing from my, I don't, I'm not a turtle guy, particularly. That's not like my, I'm not meeting someone going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's like, oh, hey, this is a guy who made some cool comics and uh, yeah. we're going to chat and have a conversation about shit we dig and you know, a year later, he says to me, you know, there's a thing I've been kicking around for like years that I think you should write. Uh, oh, let's talk cool. about it. Cool. But it's like, I, I honestly think that only happened because I didn't give a shit. I was just like, oh, it's cool. guy. He seems like a cool guy. Not yeah. like this is the key to all of my future happiness and wealth. Yeah. You know, uh, you really because the thing of it is, you don't know. I, I've again, an anecdote I've told before, but I think it's it's valid. I was at a, I was doing a comedy thing and me and an old veteran stand-up comic were standing on the catering line and a young woman in front of us, we met her and chatted with her. And she said, I'm nervous because I have the biggest audition of my lifetime tomorrow. And old veterans that we are, we both laughed and we were not obnoxious about it, but we said, honey, no, you, this is not the biggest audition of your life. The biggest audition of your life is the one you get. Uh, yeah, I mean that's true, it, and it, it doesn't. Yeah, and you have to approach every audition as like you're putting a message in a bottle and throwing it in the ocean, and maybe someone opens it, and maybe someone does it. You put the best message you can in the bottle, and you throw it with all of your might, but then you walk away from the shore, man, and you forget yeah. that it happened. Oh, it's so hard though, too. It's oh, hard. I know. I that's yeah. the thing. I get it. Yeah. It's you know, again, not to keep going to Zen Buddhism, but it's like the attachment to that moment of I'm meeting the editor in chief of blank. Yeah. We can make it more than it is. Yeah. Is what is yeah. what, yeah. and it's what sabotages you. Yeah. yeah more than You're that. right. Yeah. I mean, it's I, what uh, makes you fuck up your dance routine yeah, is yeah. that, you know, uh, Gene Kelly's watching, you know, it's yeah. like, well, you do it fine when he's not watching. So maybe don't worry about it. <laughs> you you're, you're right. I mean, I, I look back to opportunities that I thought were going to be definitive for me. And sometimes they were great, and, and other times they were fun, and then nothing, you know. Like, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can tell many stories about things like that that, that that were, you know, this this carrot dangling in front of me yeah. that I was desperate to get, and then 
it just didn't end up being anything. And like now to me, it's okay. But at the yeah. time, those opportunities were everything, you know? Yeah. 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 The, the, the number of times I was on the two yard line with a huge yeah. movie, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, d- uh, couldn't or didn't punch it in for whatever reason. Um, yep. and, yeah, uh, and you yeah. just, in, yeah. in a career in the, in the so-called popular arts, you just, you got to accept that that's, you know, sometimes you're driving down the most beautiful street in the world and it's a dead end and you got to do a K turn and go back the way you came. And that's, that's how yeah. it goes. It's, it, 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 it's funny. I mean, those of us who have been around for a while, you know what I'm saying? How, how it, it, it affects us so little. I mean, when I was, when I was, you know, 24 and, and my movie didn't get made, you know, it was like, it was, it was devastating. I was in bed for a couple of days, you know? Yeah. Um, and now it's like, now it's a fucking Tuesday, you know, it's like, okay, well, well, you know, because I mean, you learn like, well, you better have 12 balls in the air because every oh, month, so true. every That's month, so three true. of those balls are going to fall and hopefully you get two or three more back up in the air. Right. But, and, and, and you just got to keep juggling. Like the, the, the work is just fucking juggle, just juggle, just juggle. And, 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 and hang in there. If you can hang in there. I mean, because, because that movie I was talking about that didn't get made when I was 24, like yeah. it's shooting in Greece, you know, next month, you know, oh, 15, nice. 15 cool. years, 15 years later, it's going yeah. like, like, like if you hang in long enough, you know, yeah. when you're doing good work, eventually this shit fucking, you know, it, uh, eventually you punch one in, you know, it's, my it's dad, very true in, yeah. in both good and bad ways too, you yeah. know, where you, you get numb to certain things. Um, like, I mean, I remember there was one time where I was, I was at Zenoscope and we were doing our um, annual writers meeting back when I was a staff writer there, and um, we were out to lunch and uh, Joe Brusha, the, the president of the company, I saw him pick up a call and through his reaction, I saw him very non-excitedly hear that their Van Helsing series was going to go to Sci-Fi and get a run, and. I, at that point, had written every Van Helsing title that they've ever done. So he hung up, and I was like, was that? Is it happening? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, bro, like that's that's huge. And he was like, yeah. And I, I couldn't get why why he wasn't more pumped, you know? And Now you know. Now I know, you know? Now I'm on the phone with uh, Black Mask, and, you know, at the end of the, a conversation, I'll go, oh, so what's going on with, with this Hollywood IP, you know? And they'll tell me, and I'll be like, okay. And then I won't really believe it. <laughs> until i see it because it Absolutely. could not happen and yeah i've just um you know th- things that are so exciting to hear th- these promises that when you first hear them you're like oh it's happening you know yeah. you become very numb to the idea that they can happen and then really quickly not happen you know yeah, yeah. these promises really mean nothing yeah. and it's hard to swallow at first because you would think why would they tell me who is so excited about this that it's happening when yeah. there's a chance that it, it won't. Yeah. And the truth is that because they are so in the system that they're very removed from people thinking that this is exciting too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that, 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 yeah. I, I mean, this phenomenon you're talking about, it cuts both ways because I mean, numb is a very good word, right? I mean, it's like the, yeah. the, the good thing as I was saying is that if you hang in long enough, you know, if you've survived this long in the business, like uh, you have done so because like, you know, you can surf the waves now. You have become numb to like to to those punches in the face, right? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you used to get knocked out by them. Now you barely notice them. What I right. found the other side of that coin is that I don't celebrate the victories enough. Oh you know, yeah. You, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, I, I have become numb to the success. Also, it's just like 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 you know, yes, yeah, that's going on. Great. I, I gotta be juggling. I gotta be juggling. You know, I don't have yeah. time. I don't have time to be happy about that because I gotta get two more balls in the air. It is one of those perspective things that you gotta, you do have to train yourself to take a deep breath. I got a, yeah. I got a package yesterday from dynamite with a bunch of comps in it and still great. Yeah. Still a great fucking moment. It's yeah. still a big deal to yeah. go like, look, this thing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in stores tomorrow and people are going to read it and I'm going to see them on Instagram talking about how much they liked it and how hard they laughed. And that is the whole fucking enchilada and you have to remind yourself. But by the same token, like I recently started writing for a TV show, which is a very big step for me career-wise, but I have frequently said to my wife, thank God this isn't the only thing I'm doing. If it was the only thing I was doing, it would mean too much to me. The notes might hurt mm. my feeling. Yep. And now I'm older and I'm professional and I get a note, notes. For, and luckily the showrunner is an old friend of mine and he's great and he's very good at what he does. But like I get notes from the showrunner and notes from the, I'm less upset about the network notes than he is. Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, it's pretty, okay. We can make that happen. That's pretty good. Sure. Sure. Great. They're paying, right? Fantastic. I'm, I'm super, super excited to make that unreasonable note happen in this script. That's, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Dumb as hell, but we're going to do it. You know, whatever. As long as it gets a show on the air, I don't care. But yeah. it, if I didn't have the comic books, I would. it would be too precious. It would be too dear. It would be too, oh my God, this is the whole thing. It's like, no, and it never should have been the whole thing. Yeah. Yes. You yeah. know? No, 100%. And um, I think it's important too to, yes, slow down, as you said, and remind yourself, to celebrate the victories like um this last kickstarter i i took my friends and the team behind editorial out to dinner and that was a plan that came about the day before we were done and i was just like why am i not celebrating this you know this yeah. is life changing this is career changing and i've had a few of those moments before that how how i take it in is i'll i'll either you know, hit the goal or get the gig. And I'm like, Hey guys, guess what? I blah, 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 blah. And then that's, that's it. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't take the time to celebrate. And, um, yeah, it's partly because comics is so about, about the now. And when I get a gig, I'm already having to work on other gigs just to keep, keep it rolling, you know, yeah, and yeah. comics has really hypnotized me into the rhythm of, these wins being wins and losses both being par for the course and, yeah. and they are if they're not then you are not actively having a career in comics you know yeah. um but the the big ones i definitely have to remind myself like hey this this is meaningful yeah. uh celebrate this at, at least get a damn chicken parmesan or something you know yeah, yeah. yeah. something no absolutely you know it, it does help one of the things that cons help with it is not just for your ego it is helpful to rem when people remind you, you have the job of their dreams. Yes. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. I, I produced a movie a bunch of years ago and we had some extras who weren't professional actors. They were Kickstarter backers mm. and everyone making the movie. It was not their first movie by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And having these 20 people on set who were like, Oh my God, this is amazing. We were like, Remember when that's how you felt being on a movie set? Yeah. yeah. Isn't it nice yeah. to be reminded that this is still an amazing fucking magical thing that we get to do for a living? And it was just a nice kind of like, 
right. These people, this one day of shooting the party scene that all of us old people are like, ugh, party scene with 40 extras is going to be a friggin' nightmare. Yeah. You know, we're like that. And everyone else is like, movies, magic. And you're like, yeah. right, right. Yeah. It also is that thing. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah. I mean, and taking that a step further, I mean, it's one, we have the best job in the world, the funnest job. Like, you know, I, I, again, every time somebody wants my autograph, like it freaks me the fuck out, right? Like, why does, why does anyone want my signature? Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, uh, me being an autograph pound as a kid, like, you know, this, my, my fucking room is, is still full of them from, from yeah. then. But um, so, so that freaks me out. But, you know, there's this other thing, like you go a step further with it. And it, it happened at San Diego Comic-Con where I, I was signing at the Immortal Studios booth. I'm signing my, my Wuxia Kung Fu comic. And a guy, a guy made it a point to go there and find me. And he wanted to talk about Aberrant. And, and he was, uh, you know, he was a, a serviceman. He had, you know, he had served in, in Afghanistan and, and he just wanted to tell me how much the comic meant to him, you know, and, 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 and the comic of course is a, it's a big poppy swaggery fit, but really it is a, you know, behind all that is a very serious examination of what a soldier goes through and PTSD and losing your friends and, and, and that grieving process. And he's like, you know, you, you know, I, I went through it you nailed it. Thanks for, thanks for doing this. Like it, it, it meant a lot to me to like, to, to read something that was fun and entertaining, but to see myself in it, you know? Um, uh, and, and that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? All I need is one of those, you know, I, I, that, yeah. I that will get me through, through the next fucking year and then I'll need another one. But yeah, uh, no, I mean, that's a memory to keep forever, you know, that's, yeah. um, yeah, I, there are many different shapes of experience I've, I've had that have, Reminded me of that because I mean it. It sucks that we have to be reminded, but we do. You know, it's just it. It does become a career as it should. Um, and something as simple as a con that I went to uh, a, a two months ago, a lady comes up and she's looking at the books. She doesn't even buy anything, but she just says, "Your name's on every one of these." I'm like, "Yeah, this is my <laughs> stuff." Yeah, and she goes, "Wow, you are so." blessed to do what it is that you love for a living and then she walked away and i was like oh you're an angel though huh you know <laughs> like right. she like how, how sweet to say you know yeah, yeah. like she didn't even look like someone who was into comics like she looked like spellbound by the area and mm. she she just noticed that about my work um and and said that and it, it stuck with me too you know and um th there have been experiences too that are like funny and overwhelming that stick with me like there's this one guy um who he's such a xenoscope fan that he brings every year to a new york comic-con for example he'll bring a long box of every cover of every book that they've done that year since the previous wow. new york comic-con and he'll have everyone who worked in them sign and there's one year he comes to me and i'm going through them i'm signing and i see one that i didn't write and i'm like oh this wasn't me. And I pass it on. And he goes, no, no, look, he opens it up and shows that in the masthead, it says staff writer. And I'm like, Oh, so I'm signing every single book this year. Okay. 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 Awesome. And it, it took about an hour or so, but it was, it was cool that he even wanted it to me, you yeah. know, and that there are guys like that who are so into it that they want it. Even if you, even if the smallest piece of you is that you hit okay on the printer's website, you know, he wants it and that's cool. Yeah. yeah I, 
I sometimes get because of the properties I've worked on and who my partners have been. People have asked me to sign Elvira Funkos. Mm, yeah, like, yeah. Right, but I I just write the comic books. I don't have anything to do with the toy or the. And they're like, no, but she's your comic book character. I'm like, okay. And so oh, no, it's favorite, true. Yeah, it's true. my favorite is especially when I'm doing signings with Eastman. People have hand me Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics, and I'm like, yeah. I literally had nothing to do with this. Like, yeah, yeah but you're his best friend now. I'm like, okay, I guess that's a valid reason for me to sure, sign. Yeah. Like, not, like you know? I got Ben Bishop to sign it. I got Tom Waltz. You're your buddies with all those guys. I'm like, yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. so yeah. is Sinkevich. You're gonna go get his signature on these. I, 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 I signed plenty of Elvira comics, so I, I don't know. What <laughs> But that's a, the, I will say the funniest fan thing I've ever experienced was at New York Comic Con. I was standing, I think, at the Valiant booth, and we were talking about, I was talking to Adam Freeman, I think, about the VR Trooper series. And I mentioned in passing that I had written four yeah. episodes of that back in the 90s. Yeah. And some 25, 30 ish kid standing next to us went, wait, wait, what did you just say? And I said, I read some episodes of VR Troopers back in the 90s. And he was like, which ones? And I'm like, no, really? He's like, no, man, tell me which ones. And I told him the titles of the episodes. And he's like, yeah. I'm going to go grab my uh, VR Troopers action figures for you to sign. And I'm like, oh, dude. Really? Nice. Awesome. That's, That's cute. That's cute. He's like, nobody cares about that. He's like, I love that show. That was my favorite show when I was oh, eight years old. I'm like, well. Everyone cares about something. It's true. Exactly. And you should yeah. never, never tell someone that the thing you did it's a it's a thing actors do a lot you know you go see a friend of yours in a play and you say you were great and they're like oh, i had an off night and i'm like don't don't fucking do that you don't know. call me an idiot while i'm giving you a compliment oh dude you know? i mean that um that was a formative experience for me when, when that happened to me i um um i met a writer um and i wouldn't i would never say his, that his name is brian wood but i, I met him at new york comic-con on preview night and I had just read his Supernatural comic that was obviously, you know, a licensed book. And, and, and he had done great work for, I mean, great uh, creator on too. And I went up to him and I just wanted to share. It was my first Comic-Con as a pro. And I went up to him and I said, hey, I read your Supernatural comic today. And I thought it was awesome. And Brian, <laughs> Brian went... <laughs> It's uh, just work for hire, and then looked away, and I was like, "Dude, no, no!" Yeah. I at that point, I mean, I I do get the difference in opinion between a beloved creator owned and work for hire, but if someone likes my work for hire, <clears throat> I feel grateful, you know. And I I would never yeah. say, "Oh, it's just this," you know. Like, and, I, but I, also, I them, like yeah. that kind of says, "Oh, I just did this with my left hand while I was half asleep." Like, yeah. I think yeah. all of my, I mean, I get this from my dad a little bit who wrote, you know, TV tie-ins and pretty much whatever was necessary to, to pay the rent, but it's like, yeah. you can't half-ass it. Like, yeah. you no, you can't can't. like you I am biologically money. incapable of half-assing anything and I want it to be fucking great. Yeah. Whatever, whatever dumbass thing it is. Yeah. I've, uh, I've tried hard on everything that I've done and I've never, you know, I, <sighs> I get the sentiment that he obviously prefers his creator own work. I prefer my creator own work because it's fully me and, and I start from the beginning, but I also love my work for hire. Yeah, and especially say, saying it to someone who, who is at, at that point was desperate for work for hire. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. You really, you really feel that way. And also <laughs> someone who really liked it, you know, yeah. like you should say, Oh, I'm so glad you read that. That's great. 
Yeah. You know, even I hope it led you to my other work. But and that, that's exactly what it is. Like in the back of my head, I have like, oh yeah, like I, I loved local too, but we it came out today. Like we're talking about this right now, you know? Yeah. But yeah, well, no, so, I can't, I, can't yeah. I for the life of me, I can't understand that attitude. I, 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 I had one of those at I, I I shouldn't I shouldn't name names, but it was a um it it, it, it was a guy who is now a I mean he was he was at that point a pretty big screenwriter. Now he's like a, a stratospheric uh, screenwriter, but we had him in when I was at AFI. We had him in teaching us for a couple of days, and um you know I I I I knew his early work, and he had he had worked on the show Earth Two. Do you remember Earth Two? That was on, it was on after Sequest. Um, and the, that's the there there are like eight shows called Earth Two. That's the one about colonists on another planet that was yeah. like an Amblin Spielberg thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like yeah, 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 and it was on right after Sequest. And you know, so so when I was young, I loved the show. I thought it was fucking incredible, and and it it, it really sucked me in and got me excited about sci-fi again and the whole nine yards. And and writers who had worked on the show, Mark Levin and Jennifer Flackett, I can name names there. They, they taught me at Michigan and I love them. They became huge screenwriters, you know? And so I walked up and I'm like, Hey, I know Levin and Flackett, like, you know, and, and, uh, and I loved earth too. I loved your work to, on earth too, the whole nine yards. And, and, and I'm, I'm about to be like, what I really loved is, and he's like, yeah. I fucking hated that show. That show was oh. garbage. I hated the people. <laughs> I hated, you know, I'll, I'll never go back to TV. I'll never, you know, all this shit. And he basically leaves it at that. It makes me feel like a complete moron <laughs> for going yeah. up. And, 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 and that was so much worse because I'm like, you know, these people you worked with, like, they're friends of mine and I love them and they meant a lot to me and they're half the reason I'm writing now. And, and they're like, yeah, the, yeah, those people are garbage. Yeah, that sucks because, you know, I think it's a defense mechanism that they see it as their lesser work and yeah, they yeah. want to just get get ahead of that before someone sees it as their end all be all. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you this. The reason why I do name, name, name names in that situation is because I think that I think that a lot of people have this idea that one bad interaction like defines a person. Like I I think that that Brian's like one of the goats, like local yeah. You know, it is incredible. New York four and New York five. I look at it as huge staples of of slice of life indie comics and how how great that genre can be. Yeah. So I don't see that situation as indicative of oh, like this guy sucks because I mean I um you know I, I've been humbled with my opinion on certain certain creators because everyone has a different way of approaching, you know, this career in comics. Um, I, uh, when I first met Peter David, I was on a panel with him. I was on two panels with him and uh, I'll be real. I, I didn't feel uh, graciously spoken to. And then I was doing a signing and he came in and it was a comic book uh, store signing. And he came in, he didn't remember me at all. And he saw my work and saw what I was putting out and he bought everything on the table and was so, so sweet. And my thought was, wow, you know, I really, I boiled down a person to maybe he was having a bad day yeah. and maybe, yeah, maybe he's just like, has a persona that is a bit acidic on panels. And mm-hmm. that is how he tells stories. And it kind of changed how I, how I go about these interactions where I, I don't want to look at an interaction as, oh, that's how this person is. Yeah. My thought is more like, oh, that's how this person is right now. But yeah. ho- hopefully if I see them again, it'll be different. 
Yeah, no, that's a good thing to do. And, 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 you know, the flip side of this coin is like, this is why Kevin Eastman is the fucking man, because like, you know, we, we, we had him on the show and, and, you know, I, I'd been a fan. I mean, Avaloni knew that I, I had been a fan just forever, yeah. um, you know, since I was knee high. And we had him on the show and, and I decided that I was not going to geek out the entire time. I was going to be a professional. So I'm like, mm -hmm. look, here's my strategy. We're a minute into the podcast. I'm going to geek out here for three minutes and then we're going to leave it. Yeah. And, 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 and I just, I tell him this story, you know, basically about how I, I found the turtles because of the toys and, and now, mm -hmm. now, now my, my then like three-year-old daughter is playing with Ninja Turtle toys and how, you know, this generational thing means so much to me. And man, he just, he just, you know, I, again, you go back to Zen Buddhism. He just, he was just absorbing it all. He mm -hmm. was 100% in the moment, listening to every word I was saying and just, and just living for it. You know, like it, it meant the world to him. I mean, he, he hears this shit every fucking day from, you know, if he goes to a con, yeah. he hears it a thousand times in a day. Yes. And every time he hears it, it is like that for him where it's like soul food. It's like, it means so much for him to, to hear that feedback. And he doesn't tune it out. I've seen it. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, and I've, you know, I, I, I experienced it firsthand and I've seen it with other people at cons and I've talked to other people who had the same experience and it's like, yeah. and, 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 and that's amazing. And the fact that you can do that after, you know, after a million repetitions. Oh yeah. That's uh that is a beautiful trait to have. Yeah. For sure. But yeah. not everybody can do it. And yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I, I agree with you, Pat. I mean, and a lot of times I will particularly hate it when someone says, Oh, celebrity blank is an asshole. And you ask, yes. how do I know that? Yeah. And you're like, oh, this friend of mine encountered him once for a minute and a half and he was terrible. And I'm like, yeah, the, the, yeah this friend of mine asked for his, his uh, you know, for his, a solid uh, two it, years it, when my father was slowly dying, I was probably rude to everyone who was slow getting me a cup of coffee. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I will cop to that. Yeah. But my father was dying and I was devastated all the time. I was sad and angry at the world. And I, yeah. sna I snapped at the occasional service employee. It happens to people. And yes. when people go like, oh, that there's actually a specific example of that. I always talk. There's a very famous audio of Shatner having a meltdown with a director over the pronunciation of the word sabotage. Okay. The episode of Star Trek in which he says the word sabotage is the one that was filmed the day, the week his father died, literally uh. the same story I'm telling. And I'm like, is he an asshole all the time? Maybe well, that it, story it, it, is not the one to 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 snap at him for. Yeah, right? yeah, it, it, it can be that. I mean, I remember I was tearing tickets at the Avco General Cinema in Westwood Village. Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm 19 years old, and Tom Cruise would come in once in a while with his kids. So he's he's, he's got his two kids with them. They're going to see Mulan, uh, and 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 he he walks them through, and they're having a great time, and he's in the moment with his kids, and they walk up to the uh, refreshment counter, and they're getting popcorn or whatever, and and some you know some bombastic you know woman in her you know in her her late twenties, early thirties or whatever, like pops up to him and uh, and says, "Hey, can we take a picture with you?" You know, her, her and her friend, and 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 Tom is like, and Tom immediately becomes you know annoyed. And he's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm here with my kids, <laughs> you know, we're, we're getting popcorn. Like, like, can you, can you give me a little space? And, 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 you know, he took care of his kids. He took the picture with him, but he was a little, you know, he's a little annoyed by it very obviously. And then, you know, the women are walking away and I hear the one woman be like, what a dick. 
you know and, and, and so what you're talking about abalone is like is that woman for you know whatever you know uh however many years it's been since then i don't think i want to count because it's going to depress me right. but um but uh no, she has uh, gone through her life telling everyone just, that she met tom cruise oh, yeah. and, and then he was the dick oh, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. That. yeah exactly so, no you, know, you catch people at the wrong time but you, i mean you sure do you know i am yeah. um, and social media has dramatically expanded people interpreting others as dicks too. You know, I uh, I was recently on a Twitter space with some comics friends, and this one guy was talking about um, uh, Charlemagne the God, and, and how he is a dick because he, they they had a, a Twitter interaction where Charlemagne quote tweeted him, and and he got some blowback from Charlemagne's followers. And I was like, all right, well, let me just add a little bit of context. Uh, Charlemagne. Is a huge comic book fan, and he has been more helpful in my career than <laughs> anyone of his level of fame would reasonably be. And I told a long, long, long story about how and why he should maybe have a bit more nuance about his opinion about Charlemagne the God. And he was just like, "Nah, he's a dick." And I was like, "All right, man, I, I, I can't help you there, uh, but people will hold on to those opinions." Yeah. Um, well, also because it's their one connection. Like they did it to have a connection to greatness that yeah. is lacking from their lives, and now they have it, and it yeah. didn't go the way they wanted. Well, Steve I, Martin, yeah, yeah. Steve yeah. Martin used to hand out cards. I don't know if he, he doesn't do it anymore, but when people asked him for an autograph, he would say no, but he had a card hmm. that said, This certify. I saw one in the real world the other day. Uh, this card certifies that the bearer met Steve Martin, and he was a really great guy. <laughs> and it was signed but you know personally signed by him and literally if you bug bugged him in a restaurant he would say i can't sign right now but here have this card and that's very i mean you know, that's very cute he would yeah. send you on his way with a yes i met steve martin and he was great yeah. <laughs> no it, that's i mean that happens to celebrities at a level i can't even fathom it's impossible but to fathom even us at conventions i try to be hyper aware of oh there's very i could do very little and someone will leave with, uh, wow, Pat Shan is an asshole story, you know? Um, when I did my first ever convention um, with my wife, Amy, I had already been um, a guest at Zenoscope Cons for a long time. So I was a bit more used to, you know, what to expect in a negative way, you know? Um, and Amy wasn't. And I saw her rage began to build as people, you know, there was this big Rob Liefeld line that was snaking through the entire booths and a lot of, uh, you know, Deadpool costume clad ass cheeks were on my table, just kind of sitting on my books. And Amy started to let out the demon inside. And I was like, <laughs> we, we have to be nice because my name is right here and people are waiting for a reason to hate someone it's just it's human nature you know um but yeah 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 it's it it is a fascinating thing to to navigate and you know there's a there's the expression comic book famous which is you know a small group of people love you and know who you are an equally small group of people hate your guts and the world mm -hmm. at large will not stop you at this on the street and ask you for your autograph and that is a that is a level of fame I am uh, I am perfectly comfortable with. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know. I, I would um, I would definitely want to be more rich, but more yeah. famous. Eh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's hard to separate the two, and yeah. I will say that I had an epiphany 
about 10 years ago that fame ultimately, especially when you're a writer, fame ultimately equals money. Uh, not, not even the other way around, but it's a, the more famous you are, the more free advertising you get. Oh yeah. More people oh, are yeah. going to buy your books. So you kind of have to, you know, my, my come to, I was barely new on Twitter and I made a short film with an actor pal of mine, James Urbaniak. And at the time he had 25,000 followers, which was quite a lot. Yeah. We made the film, we put it on YouTube. He tweeted about it once. Like I checked the next day, it had 30,000 views. And I was like, yeah. oh, right. That's what fame is. That's the, that's the upside is those 30,000 people do what you tell them to and go look at your thing. Yeah. You know, but aside from that, as an end of itself, as a, I need more people love me, enough people love me. I'm oh, fine. I agree. I agree. But uh, no, you, you're right. It is, um, it's part of what we do. Um, if, you know, my successes are built on the backs of my other successes, which my name is associated with all of them, you know? Yep. And yeah, no, it's definitely a hard part because I, you know, I don't want any negative attention, but the fact of the matter is that all attention helps, you know? If I went on Twitter and I was an asshole to someone, that wouldn't be just bad for me. It would mm -hmm. be bad and good for me, which yeah. sucks, but that's how social media is. You know? No, and there are people, there are definitely people, a lot of them, who have figured out, uh, they even have their own group, who have figured out that uh, it is difficult to get neg easy uh, to get positive attention, but it's super easy to get negative attention. Right. So they just yeah. simply look for the negative attention. Also knowing that whatever side you take in anything, negative attention will find the trolls who agree with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. like you there yeah. you will you could say the most outrageous thing. Yeah. And you'll find Nazi Twitter, and they will be like, "He makes an excellent point." That, 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 that's what yeah. I was going to say. Is that that's my first thought when Pat said that? Is like, no matter what you do on Twitter, like you know, you, you will find it. You know, if you are just blatantly racist and homophobic and awful, uh, you know, there there is there is a huge section of Twitter that will celebrate you for that, and and yeah. and, and, and you know, sort of adopt you as their own. And, no, and, and, and one of the things that I would say to people sometimes, good-hearted people say let slip express an under considered racist or sexist or homophobic thought and the thing i always want to tell them is go take a walk through your likes like while you're pushing back on us for saying this sounded a little sexist racist homophobic yeah while you're getting mad about the fact that we're calling you out go take a look at who's Go take a look at who's agreeing with you and come yeah. on back and tell me how comfortable you are with your new fan base. And sometimes people go, oh, shit, I, I, I did not think if this is who's agreeing with me, maybe I have, in fact, done the wrong thing. You know, it's rare. Yeah. but Yeah, you know. there's a overall a lack of self-awareness on social media that, that, that spreads, especially especially when you get into having a more combative account. Um, I've yeah. spoken to publishers um, who strongly feel that if you are in a group that is at war with another group on Twitter, it will boost your Twitter presence, no matter what, because Twitter rewards mm -hmm. combativeness, but mm -hmm. it will not have any impact on your book sales. So mm -hmm. that kind of thing, it really, um, that inflated Twitter fame is such, it's such a poisonous thing because it's so easy to chase 
the more negativity that you allow in and that you foster, the the bigger your follow will be. But that's not what I would call a natural follow. They don't. Yeah. They're not interested in your you as an artist. They're not interested in your creations. They're interested in, see, in seeing what you'll say next, and then what they'll say next back to you. You know, and that's yeah. no. It's, I mean, that is, yeah. That is I've tried to avoid all that. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that I, you know, I feel like there's so much in my work that is as there are definitely people who buy my comics and are somehow unaware of the political content in them and god bless yeah. them for not paying attention and every once in a while i try to shake them up and go really are you you're really buying this okay uh but you know i i definitely don't believe in the i'm going to walk the middle of the road because god forbid i talk a nazi out of buying my comic book it's like no yeah. i think I'm, I'm comfortable talking the nazis out of buying my comic books that's fine well you know, here's like, the thing too even even if you did walk the middle of the road, people who have such, I'll say, strong opinions mm -hmm. look for the opposite of their opinions and work. They want to yep. hate something. Um, for example, um, I wouldn't even call this a middle of the road book. Um, th this was all right. Uh, I did a book for Avatar Press. Um, it was in their Stitched universe, and uh, Stitched is a horror story it has nothing to do well it, it used to but the run that i did had nothing to do with what this specific fan was mad about um he read i think maybe like four or five pages and he emailed me saying that i was like a a, a soy cuck or, so, or something because uh the female characters were um uh they gave a speech about a negative speech about the male characters and he, and he was just kind of reaming me out for, for, for being, being a beta or some shit. And I was just thinking, wow, if this guy read two more pages, those ladies are talking about the Taliban, you know? <laughs> but, but, but he didn't know, you know, he didn't know because he didn't read far enough. He yeah. was just, he latched onto, Oh, this guy is anti what I am. So, so so I'm gonna yeah. get him, you know. And I'm just like, bro, like it wasn't about that even a little bit, but he bent it out of shape so it yeah. could be, and so yeah. he could be mad about it. And yeah. that could happen to anyone, you know. Yeah. It, what, whether the book is politically left, center, right, or yeah. apolitical, people will bend you to whatever shape they want you to fit, so they see you as a smaller version than what you are, and demonize you for it. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, Suicide Jockeys was that way, where it was, um, uh, you know, Suicide Jockeys, the, the first issue of Suicide, or maybe it's the second issue, but it takes a shot at everybody. You know, basically the premise is that we're, we're living in like the worst, you know, the, the, the you know, the, there are all these different versions of reality. We're living in the worst one, you know, yeah. and, and and the only heightened thing that it added was that there were also kaiju monsters. So so basically somebody had gone back in time, fucked things up. And because of that, there are now kaiju monsters and everything else that we're dealing with. Right. Yeah. Um, um, and so I took a shot at everyone. Like all of this shit is fucked up. Here's a list of a hundred things that are fucked up. And like you're talking about, there were people who went through and they picked out the five things and they're like, this guy, you know, this book is a, is a liberal shit show. And this guy is demonizing us and blah, 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 blah. And, I'm, <laughs> and you know, they're like, he, like, he said these five things. 
And and I can come back with I also said these other ninety five things. Oh, dude, yeah, but I talk shit about everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you focusing on this? Yeah, and people don't want to see the full picture. Yeah, yeah. Context is dead. There's this example yeah. I've never been able to get out of my head. It was an episode of Siskel and uh, Ebert and whoever at the movies. Yeah. Two of the movies they were viewing were Apocalypse Now, Redia, and Rush Hour, whatever. Yeah. And they showed two clips. Uh, the the Apocalypse Now Redia clip was um, the famous Napalm in the Morning speech. Mm, and yes. They bleeped him saying the word dink. Not one stinking dink body. Because that's a bad word and we shouldn't hear that on television. Yeah. Then the clip they showed from the Rush Hour movie was okay. Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan in the middle of a fight scene. And Chris Tucker turns around, sees Jackie Chan for a split second and punches him in the face and then says, I'm sorry, all y'all look the same to me. Now, one of those is a scene in which a racist monster is revealed to be a racist monster. Yes. The other one is a scene where the hero is punching the other hero because, you know, all Chinese look the same. Right. One of those things deserves to be not shown on television because it is racist. The other one takes place in Vietnam. Like I, the, but I, to me, that's the best like concrete example of like, here's something that's anti-racist. We're going to bleep it. Here's something that is baldly racist. We're going to, we're going to broadcast it to you because it's a comedy scene. And right. that sums yeah. up American culture. I like, got you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because people, um, I think that is an example of people have, a trend that is increasingly prevalent of, of taking characters at their face value where yeah. if the character says something, no matter who the character is, the audience is meant to be like, Oh yeah, I agree. And yeah. that is such a negative takeaway. And it's so anti art to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, because for balance, I will give a left wing example that also cracks me up. Yeah. I saw someone, you know, with socialist tags on Twitter tweet if there's any hope it lies in the proles george orwell and i was like george orwell did not say that george orwell wrote it and put it in the mouth of winston smith his incredibly naive lead character in 1984 who is incredibly wrong yeah. <laughs> and, well, yeah, and george orwell absolutely does not agree with winston smith that there be a proletarian revolution that's going to overthrow english socialism in his dystopian novel. He thinks Winston Smith is a fool for believing this, and you're quoting it as though this is a thing that or that George Orwell believed. And it's like you'd see that a lot. No, I know? mean that that's a dangerous trend. Um yeah. and I mean I've I've come into that as well, you know. Um I mean there's the stitched example and then there's this I, I, I did a horror story called Little Girl um that was um, a horror from the perspective of the ghost as she figures out what happened to her. And um, there was a scene where um, it's, it, it's dark, you know, um, she, the, the, the character while alive had a stutter and her father was an abusive pastor. And uh, he used the phrase stunted speech when referring to her. And I had a reader who was upset that the book um, was ableist, and I was just like, I have a stutter. Like I, this was not. He was. He's not right. 
the villain of the book of a horror yeah. isn't isn't correct. <laughs> that yeah. that's not yeah. what the book is saying. The book is saying the is using him to say the opposite of yeah. what you're saying. The book is, yeah. and personally, I think that's very obvious. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I I will not be an artist who will have an explanation for every line of dialogue. That yeah. look at the context when something sticks out don't stop there see what happens next yeah and then you'll take in the meaning because yeah. i wouldn't write it where i would have you think that yeah. if you read the full thing you'll know my intention because i will make it obvious you know i, I really don't like this tendency where we have to have characters explain their stance or, or have a stance that is so obviously wrong like you were saying um about the uh, character um, from Apocalypse Now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There, I don't think that there's someone who pops up and goes, "It's bad that you said that." It's obvious yeah. in the context, mm -hmm. right? Well, and, and yeah. there are there are you know warmongers who will watch Apocalypse Now, and he's the hero. Yeah, Colonel Kilgore is absolutely the hero of that movie for them, and yeah. there's nothing you can do to talk them out of that. He's yeah. an amazing dude. He's played by Robert Duvall. Obviously, he's the hero. It's like <laughs> no, but okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, so much you can do. Yeah, you, you, you I, I, can't I, be I, responsible for people bringing a narrow mindset that is yeah. a vacuum, waiting to suck up content that only matches their mindset. We we yeah. can't we can't yeah. do that. Well well, 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 readers are one thing. Here's the thing: is like no, no matter what you write, you know, there are going to be five, ten, twenty, a hundred, a thousand readers that are going to take it the wrong way and twist it up and whatever. My my concern is that I'm seeing it like in the you know in the Hollywood system, you know oh, the, yeah. the notes I get back from producers, from uh, studio executives, the whole nine yards is like, well, you know, well you can't have this guy say that, and it's like, uh, I you know I'm writing Hannibal Lecter, he just killed somebody and ate their fucking spleen, but I can't have him say that word. <laughs> like this is this is the most terrible guy in the fucking universe. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. I don't think that the that that the general audience will believe for a second that we endorse that line of thinking. You don't yeah. have a problem with the cannibalism or the murder or, you know, you don't have a, a problem with the guy that he cut this guy's, you know, this guy's face off and wore it. Uh, you have a problem that, you know, that, that, that he used the wrong phrase or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 yeah. and it's just such a weird place to be in. Um, I, I mean, it, I recently had something that I perceived as, as, high key racist happened to me on a license book where I saw a licensor said something and I couldn't believe it. And in their mind, they, they were trying to prevent racism, but I won't even say what book it is, but it was a work for hire project. And there's a character. Um, it's a supernatural book where the characters are doing supernatural things. And there's this character, a serpent queen who was doing a uh, sacrifice and the licensor's note was, um, this character isn't Native American, right? We can't have them be Native American. And I was just like, you know, how, how, how racist is it that you brought that up? Like, you, why, it doesn't say that. Why would you think that? Why, right. why do you see sacrifice and automatically think of Native Americans, dude? That's, yeah, that's really wild. weird. So how dare you make this guy Aztec? Uh he's he's not Aztec though. Yeah, so. like I, I I got this sense that like I mean may, maybe maybe something happened before where a writer brought in a, an aspect of that and they're just being very careful. Yeah. But 
I'm just like man in in, in your journey to yep. not be racist like you're like giving me major red flags that you that that, that you're thinking about this you know yeah, it, yeah. It, it says nothing about this hey, here here's the thing is that there there is a good side to this where i i do think that hollywood comics whatever that they're 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 trying to be better right and 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 they're failing miserably and tripping all over themselves. I mean, I, I remember a note where you know the word Mexican was was in our script somewhere, you know, and 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 um and it's just like it, and it wasn't used in a derogatory way yeah. or anything like that. It's a guy from Mexico who who says I'm Mexican or something like that. Right. That, that wasn't the exact thing, but but you know there was you know there was a studio note being like, well, you know, you can't you, you can't call him a Mexican. You know, it's like that. That's you know, that's racist. And it's like uh, right. he's he's from Mexico. <laughs> he's he's saying I'm Mexican. Uh, yeah. Like like it's not. You know, there's literally there's there's no slant to that or anything. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just me being like, yeah, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Scottish. When yeah. applied to someone from Mexico, you the racism problem is you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but, but it's like but, but but here's the thing: is I get it. It's it's annoying, and and that was stupid. And a lot of these examples are stupid. But 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 the idea that I mean, for the first time in forever, that at a studio level they're asking these questions, like like yeah. uh, is this yeah. is, is this okay? Is this now now now? Sometimes it's weird. I mean, I I've been in weird discussions where it's like, well, you know. You know, I I know it takes place in the South, and these guys are having a racist conversation. Uh, instead of you know, instead of making fun of this minority group, could they be making fun of disabled people instead? I, we think that flies better, and it's like we're we're we're, we're, we're really going to sit down and, and and we're going to make that yeah. choice. Like it's okay, it's okay for these again these villains, these these complete. Yeah. These these are assholes. Like there there's no you know, and it's like well well we you know they can't talk about these African American people, but it's okay if they talk about this the disabled guy down the street and his limp or whatever you know. I mean it's like 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 these are the conversations that are happening at a very high level in Hollywood. No, it's true. It's true. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. It's you know, weird. as you say though, look, it's better than them when they didn't yeah. care at all. Yeah, 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 oh, and, and uh, that's. That's where I'm at with it. And when I walk out of the meeting like that, annoyed and frustrated, I have to remember, I have to remind yeah. myself of that. And my, that. My my greatest proof for the idea that uh, humanity has all evolved in the last 40 years yeah. is that when they re when they rebooted Westworld, someone actually said, but how do the robots feel about being raped and murdered for amusement? And what kind of fucking psychopath pays a hundred thousand dollars to go to a park to rape and murder robots? Yeah, like, what is yeah, wrong yeah. with Richard Benjamin and James Brolin in that movie? The problem isn't Joel Brenner. The problem is those two dudes who are clearly psychos that they have chosen this as their vacation. And I right. think that is actually a sign of growth. It's like maybe the rape murder robots have a good, Maybe they've got a point when they rebel and kill all the assholes who are raping, yeah. and murdering them for money. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. That that line of thinking, I think, is great. But yeah, like yeah. Look, the fact that even the makers of Westwood went, well, who's really the oppressed here? <laughs> yeah. Is it the billionaire tourists getting chopped up by the robots, or is yeah. it the creatures there? The semi-sentient creatures they are abusing horribly. Maybe we should be on their side. Just tiny, tiny little bit. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... Uh, culture has changed. I think that we're seeing um, corporations apply that change 
very sloppily, which yeah. is why you As get examples like yeah. what we were just talking about, you know, where yeah. um, corporations kind of will uh, will <laughs> seem see, say racist shit or just seem racist in effort to make the end product avoid them getting in trouble, you know. Yeah, which you know, I mean, yeah. I um, I will say this. My note was an easy one to take because she that wasn't my my, my thought ever, you know. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, dude. Um, yeah, it, it's an interesting world watching things change. Um, I I just had uh, so crazy. I had a kids book that I'm ghostwriting that is it features a major children's television star as herself. And they wanted to do a time travel plot where she, in this very, you know, kind of like cotton candy kids book, she she goes into the past and meets Hitler. And I was just like, bro, like that's such a bad idea. You know, I true. am ghostwriting, so I have no say about what you want me to do. But I'm telling you, if you have this superstar who for sure doesn't know what we're talking about right now. Yeah, right. If we have her do that and like be at the Olympics where Jesse Owens wins and like oh, okay, I was wondering and, what the the slant was. I can yeah. kind of get how they got there, but holy yes. shit! And when I turned in their outline with that note, they got back to me like, "Oh, you have to remove the Hitler stuff," and I was like, "Remove you? Nope. That's you guys. Yeah, that's no you kidding. guys, dude. You yeah. know." So the, 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 these licensors are very sloppy with how they apply changing culture so what i always tell writers who are working for licensors like this is is be very careful you know be be, be very careful how you apply these notes because the, the licensor's name is not on the writer credit it's you dude you know yeah 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 but uh yeah the the, the notes from the licensor thing is oh it's kind of a fascinating part of the work but yeah. you know I've had two experiences with notes. One is that the genuine surprise that I even tried them and didn't ignore them. And mm. two, mm. as in your case, them forgetting they ever gave you the first yep. note. Yes. Yep. Why did oh, you, yeah. why'd you put Hitler in this thing? Okay, oh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I will, I will, I could send you the email where you told me to put Hitler in it, but instead I will just cut Hitler out of it and yeah, yeah. go on my life. Yeah. The, the, the other, the other way it goes is you walk into a meeting with the director and you're like, man, we really need to take Hitler out of this for these reasons. And he's like, absolutely not. No, nah, I have a vision. We definitely need Hitler in it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then two weeks goes by. Right. And you go into your next meeting with him and he's like, guys, I was in the shower today and I had the greatest idea. I think we need to take Hitler out of this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, you know what? That is a great fucking idea, man. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, so, sure. I'm so glad you thought of that. Let's put this down yeah. and let's get your idea into this thing. That happens, it. that happens all the time. It's, yeah. almost, it's almost like inception. You know, you just plant this idea and then they take credit yeah. for it three weeks later. It's uh, uh, yeah. No, it happens to um, what has hit me is the note that was intended to be given that was never given that comes back to haunt me later on. Mm. I, uh, I did a Thor novel and I was working for Joe books who had licensed from Marvel. So the structure of notes was that Joe books would pick their pitches 
they would take it to Marvel, who would then greenlight it for an outline. And then from that point on, Marvel would be the one giving notes and saying what you can do and what you can't do. And um, I I loved the tracksuit Draculas from uh, uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye run. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how funny would it be to have them involved in a Thor book, right? Sure. So I brought them in, and uh, they were in the outline, and there was not a single note about the tracksuit Draculas. Uh, the manuscript was given a first pass over. I applied the notes. The second time that the notes were applied, um, I, I, I got the note. We told you to remove the tracksuit Draculas. And I was just like, oh, bro, no, you didn't, though. <laughs> this is the second draft of the novel. They were in the outline, and you didn't say that to me at all. And now I have to do so much work, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It, it's okay though, you know. I now they're the je- je- search and replace tracksuit yeah. with gym shorts. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Similar, a similar thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a similar thing is the note yeah. that just won't die. Like you, you will. I, I've seen this with the movie. You know, I mean, I, I'm a few years in on a couple of movies right now, and there was the note that the director gave from fucking day one, right? And, yes. and it's, it's like, here's my note, and and you look at the note, and it's not a good note. And so you, and so you, 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 you know, I, I have a, a writing partner for the film TV stuff and we get together and we put our heads together and we sit down with the director and we're like, okay, well, here are the 10 reasons why that's a bad idea to do this note. And he's yes. like, okay, yeah, yeah, you, you, you're right. That was a bad idea. Let's commit to this thing that, that you're doing. Right. And, and so you give him the next draft and he doesn't quite like it. And you give him the next draft and he doesn't quite like it. And on and on and on. And then you're you're, oh, you're yeah. six months, eight months down down the road. And he's like, you know what, guys? I really think that we need to do this insert original note, right? Uh, you yeah. know? And, uh, and, and, and you can do that dance. It's like early on in my career, it was like, okay, well, let's let's circle back up. Let's reconvince them that this isn't the way to go. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, move, you know, and, and you convince them again. And he never ends up liking the draft. The movie never ends up yeah. being made, blah, 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 blah. You have to learn to identify the note that will not go away because it's yeah. like, you know, at, at some point you got to fucking give in and figure out a way for, to, to make that work. It's like, well, well and then there's, then there's what I call the HAL 9000 solution, which is, you know, AE35 unit checks out just fine. It diagnoses fine. We have to reinstall it and let it fail. Hmm. The only way to, yeah. the only way to get this, the only way to repair this thing is to do the note let everyone read it and go, oh, that's a terrible idea that we made you do, yes. and then move on from it. And it's oh, rare. I've done that, that myself. a lot in film editing. Someone would have a terrible idea about how to recut a scene. And in the abstract, you could tell them, I've been doing this for 30 years, and that's not going to work. They need to see it not work, and yes. go, oh yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 but a lot of films die. Uh, yeah. uh, a lot of writers get fired because you do that, and they're like, man, he really shut the bed on that. No, there is fun. that. Let's fire, let's fire him and find the guy who's going to uh, to implement that note correctly. Three writers later, it's still not working, and and the uh, and, and the film dies. But um, I let I lost less work doing that, doing yeah. the installing yeah. of the AE thirty five unit, than I did being the guy as yeah. gently as possible saying this note is too stupid for me to do. Oh yeah, people like, really I got want fired to way more for like. Yeah. Here's why that a friend of mine did have the great pushback line. Because it puts the onus on them. Try this out in your your life and career. What does that give us? When someone suggests something incredibly stupid, you say, you know, like I, we think the five year old uh, black child should be a thirty five year old uh, white man. Yeah. What does that give us? Yeah. 
because uh, you get a That's lot a of blank stares after that. Um, yeah. You know, they didn't actually have a backup thought. They just had that. <laughs> that that's a good move. I also, um, as someone who deals with artists too and has a lot of active collaborations, I hate being the guy who gives the note that, that won't die. You know, yeah. I have had yeah. artists really resist and sometimes I've given in. I mean, recently an artist who I love um, wrote back about a note that he thinks his original version will go better because of this, 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 and that. And I thought... You know what? I've given enough notes to this guy where, okay, I, I I thought what I said was right, but he's saying it's wrong for all these reasons. Okay. And then that, that was in layouts, and I got the inks, the final inks, and I was like, what's crazy about this is that I was right, and now this sucks, but I'm going to just accept that this page is not the version that it should have been or could have been, and I will learn my lesson when I have to be firm and when I should let let it go. You know? Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I, I've been in that case, and yeah. and a lot of times my solution is like, look, do it both ways. I'll even I, I, I'll even pay you twice for the page. Let's yeah. do it both ways, and we'll see in the end what works and what doesn't, and then and then ultimately you're the final word on the uh, yeah. on the thing, and, and and you go with the version that that you like, and and a lot of times the artist is so busy, and the book comes out so much later that he or she doesn't even never even fucking notices that you use the other yeah. the, the, the other or or or, or they'll do the director thing where the artist where you used your version of it, and the artist will be like, well. I mean, I was obviously right on that, right? And I was like, oh, oh it's, true. Luckily, it's true. Luckily, luckily, we went with my version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. 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 Well, we should probably wrap up. We've been at this a while. It has been lovely talking to you, Pat. Where can people find you out in the world or on the interwebs? You can find me at Pat Chan pretty much everywhere. Uh, I am on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, my web store is Space Between Comics at Etsy. I uh, do Destiny trading cards with every convention that I go to. I'm going to have two for um, uh, Tropicon in Long Island and FlameCon in New York City coming up uh, next weekend, not this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. Wait, when does this air? This is live now, right? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. So Tomorrow. yeah, it'll be the weekend of the 20th that I'll be there. I hope to see some listeners there. Come say what's up. And uh, Cheeky is on Indiegogo in demand right now for the, our pre-order page. Uh, the next Kickstarter is Destiny New York Volume 6 that will launch um, hopefully in September. I just need to get my Volume 5 books from the printer. Uh, printing sure. International is is a nightmare right now. Ricky, and, uh, yeah. Printing oh, yeah. period is a nightmare, but but yeah. Yeah, that's true too. I'm moving to Canada, dude. I'm moving to the <laughs> land of parents with Philip so we could get the books a lot quicker. There you go. Yeah, but then you'd be in Canada. Uh, maybe Vancouver. Vancouver's pretty cool, I think. But uh, uh, <laughs> I love Canada. They, they have poutine, dude. You know? Yeah, but, sure, sure. But I, I mean, you're you're a New York guy, so I figured there would be rivalry. I, I grew up in Detroit. You know, yeah. Win- Windsor's right across the river. There was a rivalry. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I shouldn't get on an anti-Canadian rant. So, <laughs> yeah. Montreal's very nice. Yeah, literally, our dozens of listeners in Canada might rebel and then exactly. Rebel. So uh, uh, I am at <laughs> I am at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. That's R Y L E N D G R A N T. If you're listening, I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it, and so now I have to spell it for you. Um, but my books, the uh, Ringo Award-winning Aberrants, uh, the four-time Ringo-nominated Banjax, and the 
the Tokusatsu joint Suicide Jockeys are available in fine comic shops everywhere and via Amazon and I guess no longer Comixology. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my Kickstarter books, The Astral Projection Thriller, The Jump, and the Fargo S Crime Drama, The Peacekeepers, are available via my backer kit shop right now. So if you go to the jump2.backerkit.com, that's the jump, one word, and the number two, the jump2.backerkit.com, you'll find all that stuff. Um, as well as uh, signed copies of Aberrant and Banjax and Suicide Jockeys and whatnot, um, and rare convariants and all sorts of neat and cool and twisted fits. Um, it's a one-stop Rylan Grant shop, so definitely check that out. And uh, as I said uh, during the opening, uh, my latest fit of business, the uh, Wuxia Kung Fu epic uh, Fashing Origins, uh, you can get issue one right now if you go to Immortal Studios, uh, immortal-studios.com, excuse me. Uh, you can pick that up if you missed the Kickstarter, but also uh, it will be in comic shops very soon via Dynamite Comics. So, uh, you know, or, order that shit, get 10 copies, give them to your friends. Uh, all <laughs> or sell them to your friends, it's fine. You know? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Brian, why don't you bring us some Avaloni? Yeah, and uh, I can be found at davidavalonefreelance.com. That has all of the links to all of the things. I have luckily a very easily Googleable name, so that helps. Uh, today in comics shops is Elvira in Horrorland number three, in which she finds herself above aboard the Nostromo dealing with the Xenomorph. Good, clean, wholesome American fun. That's cool. Um, the uh, the previous Elvira series, Elvira meets Vincent Price. I think the trade for that drops in about a month, and that's good, clean, wholesome American fun. And uh, other stuff uh, to be announced later. But thank you so much, Pat, for joining us. Thanks, and thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. We'll see you on the next exciting episode. Take it easy, guys. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more Madcap Hijinks on The Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.